This is the second season of The Last Seminary. As always, I'm James from Pastoria. Recorded as we shelter in place here in the Los Angeles area in 2020, this second season sits down with guests whose perspective and expertise will become increasingly important in the coronavirus age. Let's get right to it right now. All right. Uh, Rob Reinders, thanks for making it to the last seminary. Why don't you go ahead and um, tell us who you are and what you are doing right now? Yeah, so I'm a United Methodist pastor. I'm a deacon in the Desert Southwest Annual Conference. I live in Tucson, also married to another pastor. Uh, My wife's name is Melissa. She's an elder, and she's the um, lead pastor at Sanctuary United Methodist Church here in Tucson. And what I do currently is uh, I'm the founder of a nonprofit called 1703, which refers to the birth year of John Wesley, which is very Methodist of me. Um, so I'm I'm the CEO, executive director, uh, if you will, of this nonprofit. And our our mission is to help churches connect with their neighbors. And we do that through helping uh, existing congregations uh, connect with their neighbors better, whether that, that be physically, although not necessarily in this time, uh, or digitally, and also by helping to launch new uh, communities of faith. Awesome. So just to be clear, is it all out of 1703? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So 1703 is is a 501c3 uh, nonprofit. And yeah, we have kind of a couple branches and in including we're, we're launching a concept uh, faith community we call social thread, which refers to it's a play on social fabric. So uh, you are the social thread or a social thread, um, and and together woven together, you know, we create that that social fabric and um, all of our diversity and with all of our gifts and experiences. Awesome. So if it if it's all right with you, I'd like to um, talk about that a little bit. Uh, in terms of social thread, what exactly are we doing or do people do? Because uh, they are probably not doing uh, any kind of sewing or anything like that. So what happens? <laughs> no, they're they're weaving relationships, James. <laughs> so, so social thread, uh, this, as I called it, a concept, uh, new faith community came as as the result of a year-long professional market research study for which I project managed and was funded by some generous folks and and some other grants through the United Methodist Church, where we looked at the decline of religious participation in the U.S., but we also looked at, hey, is there anything we could do to reverse that decline? And what we did is we took the learnings from that research project. And we've been um, mostly mostly failing at it, but in the last few months having a lot of success of trying to develop sort of a new thing that, okay, if, if you left church or if 
you've never been a part of church, but as many, many people still say, we're spiritual. We believe in God. Uh, we think Jesus is pretty cool. Um, we want to explore these things, want to figure out what our purpose in life is, want to be more compassionate. We want to find community. Then, um, you know, this concept is an attempt to uh, create, create that new model or, or one of what I think will be many, many different uh, models for folks and how they engage uh, their faith and in community together. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but, um, <laughs> but specifically what we do is we're focused around uh, smaller group gatherings and the sort of initial entry level gathering is something we call the explore your faith meetup. And it's very similar to a theology pub, which I've been doing theology pub type things for years and years since I was a campus minister back at Arizona state to when um, I started city square church, uh, a newish United Methodist congregation in downtown Phoenix. And it's an opportunity for folks uh, to connect and to discuss uh, current and relevant topics and also uh, dive into some conversation around faith and spirituality. And we really just ask everyone to bring their own, um, their own expressions of faith and their own experience and their own perspectives and to really try to share, but also listen um, to what other perspectives uh, people are bringing. And then from there, what we want to do is invite people into deeper relationship through something we call common table. And before uh, the COVID age, those were going to be sort of like house, not house churches necessarily, but um, small dinner gatherings um, in houses uh, where people would do some things to have deeper conversation uh, with, with one another, to learn from one another, but to also uh, really begin building a relationship. And then from there, we want to invite people into what we call belong groups, which are uh, long-term uh, groups that from the outside probably look and sound a lot like uh, traditional church uh, small groups, but are really are those, those groups where people do, and I hate using this cliche term, but I still think it's a great way to uh, describe it, life together. So, so who are you doing life together with? Who are you exploring um, faith with? Who are you on that journey with? Who's that community there to, to support you? Um, so that's uh, what we're doing and that's what we hope to be doing. Super. The um, belong groups, how are we going to belong together? Are we going to uh, make ID cards for each other? What happens there? <laughs> ID cards. Uh, that's, a, you know, I'm open to, to new things. So uh, I could get down with your ID card idea, James, if you uh, <laughs> help me understand a little more. No, um, we see those as, um, as weekly gatherings where um, you're getting together and you're sharing, you know, what's, what's going on in your life. What are, what are the highs? What are the lows? Uh, where, where are you struggling where do you need support, but also what can you offer uh, to, to other folks? Um, man, I heard somebody recently talk about uh, something about like for it was like formational discipleship versus relational discipleship. I think I got that kind of wrong. But the idea is, are we going to get together and, you know, read a book and study things together? Or are we going to um, get together and and grow together in, in relationship. And, and I really like that. And I think, I think that's what our belong groups are going to be about is 
um, how are we growing together as disciples and in relationship? Um, and that, that might not look like what folks in traditional church think a small group is or, or what a church gathering um, should be. But we think it's, uh, it's deeply important um, in how people uh, live and are in community with one another. I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely does. You know, uh, what I noticed in terms of what you said is kind of a system uh, that has kind of a three-phase approach. I mean, mm -hmm. um, presuming that there's nothing after belong groups, but um, where does that three, where do those three phases come from? Um, those come from, I think, any organization, regardless of, you know, we, we talk about having flat organizations or, or that's what we want to have and tearing down the hierarchies and, and stuff like that. But I, I think... I think that's one way to look at it, but organizations still need structure. So even if it's still a flat organization where leadership is spread out and where you don't have to, you're not jumping through hoops, you're not signing membership covenants and um, statements of faith, um, checking off boxes to, you know, requirements, but people still need a, a structure to sort of move, move through an organization or move along maybe is a better um, way to think about it. Um, if you're on a journey, you're on a path. Um, it, it's hard to get people to go from, hi, I'm Rob, nice to meet you. I've started this new faith community. Do you want to be part of an intensive, you know, group where, <laughs> where you're sharing, you're bearing your soul to other people and um, every week in these things we call uh, belong groups. Uh, so, so we try to look at it as, um, not something that happens all at once, but is a journey we go on together. And, and the structure around that is these, these uh, three groups or scaffolding, um, we might call it, because you, you are the, as the participant, you are providing the content, I guess. Um, you know, we may provide some prompts, we provide some structure, some guideposts, um, but, but it's really you who, who you bring your questions, you bring your experience. And that is, that's the content of, of the organization of the groups, if that makes sense. Total sense. Yeah. Um, uh, so what have you learned so far from doing that? I mean, uh, has it kind of come out to be exactly how you put on paper or, or what? Well, we're still, so I'd say we're, we've had a lot of success in the last couple months and, and the pandemic, um, challenges have actually led us to really sit down and focus on, okay, what is it that, that we're doing? What are we offering? What problems are we trying to solve for people? Um, and so we're still in that first, what we call these explore your faith meetups, where the problem I think we're solving there is people were looking for that non-judgmental place to come and share their experience and also um, discuss topics that are difficult and hard to have conversations about. Um, and especially if you're worried about, oh, is this question okay here? Or is my belief about this thing um, okay here? Not to say that we're not challenging people or participants aren't, aren't pushing back on one another or, um, or, or whatnot, but uh, that, that this is a place where you can come and share, but also grow and stretch yourself. 
so that's been going really well. And uh, but what we know is that people people ultimately are going to grow and continue on a journey of faith if they know they have people they can trust um, on that journey with them. So what we see already happening is is some relationship building is people connecting outside of these groups, even though they're happening online um, and people looking for ways to build deeper connection. And so we think it's going to flow really naturally into um, these common tables uh, where we're going to have opportunities for people to share more of their story and to learn from other people's stories and, and perspectives. Um, and we'll see how it goes from there, but we're really excited about the progress we've had so far. Great. Let's take a quick break. And then when we get back, we'll talk some more about uh, what's inside of your head. We'll be right back. If you did not get a chance to attend the first season of The Last Seminary Live, that is, you can watch a big chunk of the keynote address for free. It's on our Facebook page as a video on our Instagram, IGTV, or our website at pastoria.co. It's called From Plant to Seed. And it's about what has brought in the money for ministry and where this thing called a pastor's calling is really going. So uh, we're back with uh, Rob Reinders and uh, we were just talking about Social Thread and 1703. I'm sure there's a lot more um, to learn. At the end of this uh, episode, we're going to ask Rob for some content information and how to follow and support what he's doing. Uh, I want to ask this question. Rob, do you uh, think, do you consider um, Social Thread and then maybe as a separate question, 1703 a church plant? So I would call social thread, we call it a faith community or a community of faith because church is a, is a very institutional word and church is great for a lot of people. Uh, I mean, you and I are, are products of the church and I have, I have the, the church, the institution is specifically the United Methodist church to think for everything in my life. <laughs> um, I would not have any of the friends or my wife or my kids or, um, amazing experiences I've had if, if not for the church. And it's, it's always broken my heart that for some people, the church was a very hurtful, damaging, uh, and irrelevant place that, um, it wasn't a, a place of, of getting to know the God of love, uh, the Jesus of love, of compassion, of, of healing and mercy and for forgiveness, um, that that just hasn't been the experience for so many people. And, I think just anyway, in the 21st century, people are moving away from those 20th century institutions. And there's just so much innovation happening around technology, which is changing the way we live and changing the way we have relationships and changing the way we interact with everything. But we seem to really be afraid to have the conversation around how that's affecting uh, uh, religious belief and participation. So while everyone else seems to be innovating and coming up with, you know, new ways to engage in faith and engage in faith communities, we still seem to be wanting to 
desperately make the old ways work. And a lot of people are just wired to be in a pew in a chair on Sunday morning, listening to music, hearing a sermon, going to a potluck afterwards. And that's awesome. And 1703, our work is actually about helping people have have the most meaningful transformational um, you know, experience in those kinds of church settings um, as possible. But this um, other wing of 1703 we call social thread, this concept, which is really a test. Um, I mean, it's a real community, but it's also um, you know, something we hope to learn from so we can help, we can either ourselves or we can help other people plant non-traditional communities, communities of faith. Um, because there's, there's just more and more people and there's a lot of data, a lot of studies out there and, and including our own uh, research that shows, you know, as older generations are dying off and younger generations are coming up, those younger generations are just less and less and less and less likely to be interested, not, not just interested, but, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of an even more radical word. <laughs> it might the church might as well might as well not exist for them. Like it's such a foreign concept of you know, it, like going bowling for some people, um, or eating fast food, or uh, joining the Lions Club, uh, or whatever. It's just some people are not wired that way, and it's just more and more and more younger generations are just wired differently than older generations. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It just means that we have, we continue to want to build up and force an institution um, for generations that are slowly but steadily dying off because of nature. <laughs> Cause that's just how, how it works. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing we could ever do to stop that. Um, and so we need to, we need to be investing in, in innovation and, uh, doing things where, uh, folks can explore on their own terms versus, versus the terms we want to force on them. If that makes sense. Definitely. But, you know, um, I feel like, uh, Rob, if you, uh, if you think that I'm wrong, you could correct me that you kind of came out of, like you said, um the old way right mm -hmm. and you went to uh like a school of the old way i think yep and um and uh and then uh you you know you're kind of certified in the old way and but you want to do this new way so how does a person from the old way uh how did this person begin to construct this new way so i think for me and and a lot of folks know, and and I'm pretty sure you know this, James. That uh, I actually, when I was ordained in the United Methodist Church, I was ordained an elder. And in the UMC, that means that pretty much means you're a type of pastor who stands in a pulpit on Sunday mornings. You do communion. You baptize people. You you shepherd a flock, a congregation, in a particular place um, for a particular time until the bishop moves you somewhere else. And that is what you know i think 98.5 percent of elders do and there's there's some exceptions and and whatnot and then you have deacons who are also ordained who live between live in that space 
connecting the church to the world and the world to the church. So you kind of have one foot in both places. And, and the idea of deacons is your call is, is you don't want to see the church be an island unto itself. Like the church exists in a much, much larger world. And yeah, we talk about the church being set apart um, and whatnot, but it's just not, it's not practical. And I don't think it's theologically sound to say like, we can go hide in our four walls and pretend the, the world doesn't exist around us. Now, I don't know. I, I know churches that, you know, maybe worse at that than others, but I think every church recognizes like, Hey, we're part of a community and we need to connect and minister to this community. And we are not um, un, untouched by what happens in the rest of the world. But deacons are really passionately called to make and maintain those connections. And that I think became clear to me, whether that was a calling within me all this time. And I just kind of sort of missed that when I was going through the process or working. My first appointment was at Arizona State University, the least religious, um, you know, campus uh, probably in in the country, even though it was a 70,000 student campus, uh, religious participation on campus was really, really, really small, even among what we would consider like the big non-denominational evangelical campus ministries. And then moving from there to do a church plant in an emerging, you know, downtown uh, area um, where a lot of people all, also weren't religious and building tons of relationships with artists, business leaders, government leaders, community organizers, um, you know, neighbors and, and other leaders and, and just folk um, uh, down there uh, doing a, a Bible study for uh, homeless seniors uh, every week. And, and just realizing like, wow, this is church. Like, like all that, we, we don't have a church building, but it feels like every second of the day I'm down here walking in the summer on the streets and sidewalks in 110 degree heat, hanging out in the bars and the coffee shops and the parks and concert venues and, and whatnot. Like I'm in the church right now. I'm doing, I'm doing the work of the church and then to go, to conferences or go to uh, other pastor gatherings um, or whatnot, continuing education uh, type things, talking to other colleagues and, you know, getting a lot of like, oh, hey, it must be nice. You just get to hang out and have fun in downtown all the time while we're all here doing the quote unquote real work. Um, and really what they're saying is we're all freaking miserable um, in our congregations because we're so disconnected from what's going on in the world. And so out of that, I experienced some burnout, but out of a healing process and working with the spiritual director and therapist and a boxing trainer um, and talking to a lot of really, really smart and experienced uh, mentors, other pastors and non-pastors, um, people who I really respected, discern this call like, oh my God, I'm a deacon. <laughs> um, and there's nothing to be ashamed of um, in that. And so that's how I think I, I, I recognize like my work is always being called to just being in touch with the culture and in touch with the world, trying to, to see where things are going, where God is calling us, where God is moving. And, you know, sometimes desperately trying to drag the church along um, to stay connected to that world. 
Thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that. You know, this is the last question. Um, we've kind of stepped into this thing called the, what I call the coronavirus age. And what you've been talking about is some years ago, right? And it's been uh, years in the making for you to get to where you are right now in terms of your place in your life and also where your mind and heart is at. Uh, as we step into this coronavirus age, would you say that certain things have changed or certain things have been adjusted? Have certain things been, <clears throat> excuse me, affirmed? And um, what would you say? Yeah. So I think for us as an organization, things, things have a lot of our assumptions and hypotheses and, and vision of, of what we thought was going to happen about why we were getting into work we're doing um, has been affirmed because it's caused people to just really stop and take stock of their lives and what's happening in the world. And um, in a way where we all have to be connected now through technology and we are making these connections um, maybe even more so than before because technology is the only real safe way we can we can make connections with people. And if we don't have connections with other humans, really bad things happen. Um, whereas before technology was a distraction, <laughs> technology helped us avoid other people. Um, and now it is our lifeline and man, I'm still processing that. But for us now we're doing social thread groups where, um, on Tuesday and Thursday nights, and we're open to add Wednesday nights real soon here, where we have people on the call from multiple different states and many time zones. Um, and we've gone from, we're going to do this new faith community experience in Phoenix, Arizona, to we're now creating a, a space where specific location doesn't matter. Um, and that's been this aha moment. And... Um, also something just really cool and the ability to connect folks. Um, again, I think the old way of church planting was every, you know, 85% of the country goes to church. We just got to show up and church, our, our church, God's church that I've been called to lead and plant is about a specific location at a specific time. And now, um, now it's about, uh, more, I don't want to say preference, but more of a, a, a religious personality, a spiritual personality of, um, you know, I connect to God, I explore my faith in a different way. And it doesn't, if that's in my hometown, if that, if that avenue is available to me, cool. But otherwise, if I can connect to it online 3000 miles away, then I'm going to do that too. And that's, I think that's a big aha moment for me. Awesome. Rob, how can people follow your work and support it? So, um, man, there's a, a few different ways. If you just want to follow whatever craziness I'm up to uh, lately, you can go to robrinders.com, R-O-B-R-Y-N-D-E-R-S. I have a little newsletter sign up there and just a bio, which is kind of a landing page. Um, 1703 is 171703.faith. We have a really fancy uh, domain name there. Super fancy. Yes. Super fancy. And that's that's where you can really find out about the 
the kind of pure consulting work um, I do with churches. And then socialthread.org is where you can go and learn all about what we're doing at Social Thread, including our podcast. Um, we write some original articles over there. There's a little button we have all over the place that says get involved. You can fill that form out and we'll tell you how to get involved in one of those Explore Your Faith uh, meetups. And then, uh, you know, most importantly, there's a donate button um, on that page. And we are a 501c3 um, and you can make a tax deductible donation um, through Social Thread to support um, the work I'm doing and, um, you know, our, our whole organization uh, is doing. All right, Rob. Well, thanks for being with us on the live. I mean, not the live. <laughs> We're going to get you uh, on a, uh, at, to a uh, live session of the last seminary. This is the podcast, but this has been a great time. Thank you. Prayers for you and uh, hope everything goes well. Thank you, James. And thanks for all the work you're doing, buddy. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. That brings us to the end of this episode of The Last Seminary. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, as well as our website at pastoria.co. That's pastoria.co. As always, I'm James from Pastoria. Special thanks, of course, goes to the special person in my life, Jane. Thanks, Jane. <laughs>